sorrow is knowledge. Those that know the most must mourn the deepest. The tree of knowledge is not the tree of life. Lord Byron. I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is God's Wisdom for Today, a weekday live broadcast series from the book of Proverbs. Just like a proverb, this show is a short, wisdom-packed nugget of truth teaching us how to live our lives well. The book of Proverbs is an invitation from God to step into the wisdom of God. It is a very practical roadmap for developing the skill of living. Let's dive into episode 46 today, where we are looking at Proverbs 3, 17, and 18. We're going to talk about it in two translations, think about the language and the meaning of the verse, and connect it to our life by asking ourselves some questions. But before we get started with all that, let's pray. Father, I need to ask for your help with my voice and my mind today. I seem to be having trouble getting what's in there out for various reasons. And so I ask that you would just make that happen and that whatever lesson that you have for each of us in these two verses, that you would speak that to our hearts. Um, It may be different for someone else than it is for me. And I pray that, Spirit, you would open us to understanding these verses in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. In ESV, Proverbs 3, 17 and 18 say this, Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. New Living Translation says it this way. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Now let's do a little bit of Monday catch up. We always come back. It's been a couple of days. We've done other things. We've slept. So let's catch us up to where we are. We are in the middle of a passage of Proverbs 3 that's titled Wisdom brings happiness. Wisdom is personified in these verses, so remember that means that the author is representing an abstract concept in human form, in this case, wisdom as a woman. And that helps make hard concepts easier for us to understand and easier to remember. Verse 17 tells us that wisdom's ways are pleasant. Other translations say delightful or beautiful. What do you think of when you think of someone who's product, whose thing that they're trying to get you to try, that that thing is pure pleasantness, that it's delightful or beautiful. I want to sit out on my porch surrounded by flowers and hummingbirds when the weather is nice because it's delightful, it's pleasant, it's beautiful, and that feeds my soul. It makes my day good. It makes me happy. And wouldn't it be nice to sit down with someone whose ways are always pleasant and delightful and beautiful? Think about your social media feed. Is it pleasant and delightful and beautiful? Wisdom's ways are appealing. All her paths are peace. We've looked at the word peace before, and there are a few things for us to remember. Remember that it comes from God. We receive peace from obedience, and Christ himself is our peace. It's the idea that what peace is, is wholeness and harmony in relation to God. George Lawson says it will readily be admitted that some of wisdom's ways are pleasant, but are they also? Yes, all her paths are peace itself, for the work of righteousness as well as the effect of it is peace. The work of and the effect of righteousness is peace, is wholeness and harmony in relationship with God. And we don't often think that it comes from the work and the effect of righteousness. Verse 18 says, still speaking of wisdom, She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. 
Now we'll look at three things in this verse. We'll look at the phrase, the tree of life, and the action required of us, and then what result we can expect. First, let's demystify the tree of life, because that's kind of an unusual term, not something we use in everyday conversation, not something you really hear from the pulpit either, right? It's also not a fluke of translation, because every single translation uses the exact same phrase, tree of life. So what is it? Here are a few options. First, it could be a general reference to the fullness of life, the ideal. It could be thought of as a source of life, of good things. But most likely, it's a reference to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden and in Revelation. The ESV study notes say this, The tree of life first appears in Genesis and is referred to as if it had the effect of confirming a person in his moral state. Through obedience, Adam and Eve would have continued access to the tree, would have been confirmed in an unblemished state. But upon disobedience, they were mercifully removed from the garden to keep from being confirmed in a state of guilt. This help explains the image in Proverbs. The things that are called a tree of life are pictured as means by which the righteous continue on and are further confirmed in the way that is blessed in the end. The tree appears again in Revelation with a similar function of confirming in holiness those who conquer. Now, if you're like me, that's still not entirely clear. I'm going to read you the passages that refer to the tree of life. There are seven of them. Then I'm going to read you a few more quotes from folks who have studied this deeper than I have. The first one is Genesis 2.9. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if you remember, we were forbidden to eat from the tree of good and evil, but not from the tree of life. More about that later. Genesis 3.22 says, Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? They will live forever. Genesis 3.24 then, After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. God's pretty serious about not letting us eat from the tree in our fallen condition because he wants to save us from that condition and not let us be there for eternity. Revelation 2.7 says, Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Believers will again have access to the fruit of the tree of life. Revelation 22.2, It flowed down from the center of the main street on each side of the river, grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. The tree gives nourishment and healing. Revelation twenty two fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat from the tree of life. Again, believers will have access to the tree of life in the future. And lastly, Revelation twenty two nineteen. If anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city that are described in this book. Now, this is serious business, serious punishment, right? Not a word lost from this book or you will have no part in the holy city and the tree of life, no part with God in his eternal future. Now that you've heard the scripture, let's look at two quotes that talk about the tree of life, and we need both of them. First is from Randy Alcorn. In Eden, the tree appears to have been a source of ongoing physical life. The presence of the tree of life suggests a supernatural provision of life as Adam and Eve ate the fruit that their creator provided. Adam and Eve were designed to live forever, but to do so, they likely needed to eat from the tree of life. Once they sinned, they were banned from the garden, separated from the tree, subject to physical death, just as they had experienced spiritual death. Since Eden, death has reigned throughout history, but on the new earth, our access to the tree of life is forever restored. 
The second one is from Don Stewart, and it says, Some commentators, which kind of we just heard, some commentators believe that eating the fruit stopped the physical decline of their bodies and safeguarded them against disease. But this we cannot know for certain. We can safely conclude that in some manner, eating from the tree of life preserved the life that Adam and Eve had in their perfect state. The tree of life represented the perfect state where man and woman were placed. Had they obeyed God, they would have lived forever without sin and pain. Sin and death would have not entered the world. They would have voluntarily chosen God over the temptation of the devil. Thus, they would have lived in the perfect environment by exercising their own choice to serve God rather than the devil. However, by their own choice, this was not to be. Now, that's a whole lot of background on the tree of life. The other places the tree is mentioned is here in Proverbs, and it's mentioned several times. Now that you understand what it is, let me remind you of today's verse. It says, she, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So does your understanding of the tree of life now add importance to wisdom? Wisdom is like that tree, the one that gives ongoing life that we will be nourished and healed in by the presence of God. And we don't have access to the tree of life now, but we do have access to wisdom. And this verse says that that wisdom is like the tree of life for us in this life. We have two more quick things to note. We have to lay hold of wisdom and hold her fast or embrace her and hold her tight. When we take hold of embrace something, those are actions that we have to take. We have to intentionally do something. We have to take hold of and keep holding by embracing. If we embrace something, we wrap our arms around them and we hold them tightly, close to us. And that's what we're supposed to do with wisdom. And then we will be blessed. And we talked in detail about what that meant in episode 44. So if you want more details, check out that podcast episode number 44. In short, though, it means being happy, stemming from being fully satisfied in God. Now, to summarize with the Michelle translation, if we intentionally reach out and take hold of wisdom, if we continue by holding her tightly to us, then she will be for us a source of life and we will be fully satisfied in God. Now, let's ask ourselves some questions. Wisdom's ways are pleasant, delightful, and beautiful. All her paths are peace. We know that that doesn't mean that all of our circumstances will be lovely. On the contrary, Jesus tells us that life will be hard. So in a practical sense, what might it mean that all her ways are pleasant? How could wisdom help us through the hard parts of life? What was most meaningful to you about what you learned about the tree of life? How does it change your perspective on wisdom? And lastly, are you willing to take hold of and embrace wisdom? And what first step could you take today? If you want a place to see and answer those questions and keep track of what we're learning in Proverbs, we send out a set of free journal pages each Sunday evening in an email. And if you would like to get on the list to receive those emails and the journal pages that go with them, you can go to getwisdom.link backslash email. Getwisdom.link backslash email, and we'll be happy to send those to you each Sunday evening. As for me... God continues to impress on my heart how valuable and important his wisdom is. I was talking to my dad about it over the weekend, and I was saying that we, as a body of believers, we need to understand how important it is in order to be prepared to receive it, to seek it, and to cherish it. And it seems to me that the way Proverbs is organized is doing that same thing for me. It's teaching me how important wisdom is so that I then am fully invested in going after it. It's like a long-form sales letter in marketing where reason after reason is given why we need this product, only this is God's word, so there's no spin, there's no manipulation, there's just truth. Wisdom just is this valuable. That's what I'm thinking about today. So how about you? What will you do with what you've learned today? 
Let's close in prayer. Lord, we don't want wisdom just for our own success. We want it so that we can better know you and better love you and better love others and better live godly lives that will honor your name. So give us the kind of wisdom that will transform us into the likeness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for being with me today. If you found this broadcast helpful, share it with a friend. Things are more fun when we have friends along. We grow faster when we have people to talk to about what we're learning. If you're a podcast listener and you think this would be helpful to someone, subscribe, rate, and review. That is the best thing that you can do. You can also tell a friend. But if you subscribe, rate, and review, the algorithm will show it to more people who could benefit by it so that we can help more people. I do this every weekday, and so we will be back again tomorrow with another set of verses to pull out wisdom from. I would love it if you would join me then. Until then, you guys have a fantastic day. Mm